Louise Bedford here. Just before we kick off with today's show, I wanted to let you know that for one week only, you can get up to 84% off a selection of my most popular trading education products available through tradinggame.com.au. Make no mistake. Your financial future is in your hands. So check out the audios, videos, and study courses that I have available at tradinggame.com.au. Now's your chance to develop your skills as a trader for up to 84% off, but only for the next week. Let's get on with the show. Hi, Caroline Stephen, financial journalist. This year, Chris Tate and Louise Bedford toured Australia to deliver their one-day seminar on how to trade full-time. Today's interview is with Chris Tate, and it's a refresher of the seminar as we touch on some of the key points that were mentioned during the day. Sydney is hosting another seminar date on the 23rd of September. Does Chris Tate think buying new highs is a hard concept to get through to people. Yes. Does Chris think that people fossick around in their grandmother's underwear drawer trying to find the shillings that she collected when she was younger to grow their wealth? Yes. Does he think this is the wrong key to the bank vault? Unresoundingly, yes. Hear what else he has to say from the one-day seminar. But first, let's hear Louise Bedford's wisdom and success tips in Mind Power on how to stop procrastinating. My son Ryan told me the other day after he knew that he had a lot of homework to do but he just didn't want to do it. He said, I don't deal with procrastination. Procrastination deals with me when it's good and ready. And it made me laugh because there are so many things that we procrastinate on in life. And I think sometimes there is a good reason for procrastinating. So why are you procrastinating and what is it that you are procrastinating on? I always find when I'm procrastinating, that's when I get my housework done because I go, well, I'll just do this first. I'll just do that first. And you might find for yourself that there is a reason why you're procrastinating on that big project, that big job, that big trading plan creation. You might find that you've taken up a big role here, bigger than you thought, and you haven't broken it down into smaller chunks. I always find if I break down that really big project into tiny little chunks, It lets me do everything one step at a time. And once you've started, you're more likely to continue. One of the reasons why people procrastinate is because they haven't considered a future where that task is complete. And they have so much shame around this. And I know that a big effort is so exhausting and to consider that big project, it's so large, it looms in your future. But what about the outcomes you'll experience once you've achieved that project? 
One of the reasons why we procrastinate is because we feel shame. Where do we feel shame? We feel that we've failed in the past. Maybe you've failed in your body, your career. Maybe you've failed as a friend. Maybe you see this big project as another area of failure. You recall your past failures and it gets bundled in with the feelings about that big project. The best way that we can avoid procrastination is to consider that that project is done and associate that with good feelings. Imagine how calm and focused you'll feel. Imagine the accolades of your friends and family. Imagine how good you'll feel and how well you'll sleep once that project is done. So whatever your project, find a way of associating good feelings with the outcome. Wrap those feelings up into such a beautiful ball of happiness so that once you've achieved that project, those feelings will be there, ready, waiting for you. And then you truly will be a high performer. Hi, I'm Adam Koo. I'm from Adam Koo Learning Technologies Group, and I'm listening to Talking Trading. Louise Bedford here. Curious about the Trading Game Mentor Program? Want to dip your toe into the water so you can learn how to trade every instrument over every time frame with your very own trading plan? You need to register for priority notification by going to tradinggame.com.au slash priority right now. I'm giving away a heap of free trading resources plus you'll get the ability to book into our very next mentor program before everyone else. Go to tradinggame.com.au forward slash priority and register right now so you can be a part of it all. How to Trade Full-Time with Chris Tate and Louise Bedford. CT, the nature of success boils down to do what you say you're going to do. Which is unfortunately a thing that most people can't actually do. For reasons unbeknownst to me, people seem to make all these wonderful, wonderful plans but never actually follow through on them. And I think what happens is the moment something gets difficult, a little bit tough, a little bit prickly the rubber really fails to meet the road and they go, well, mm, shit, it's all too hard. I'll give up and I'll move on to the next shiny object. The only thing that matters is price. Unfortunately, that's a lesson most people don't get because they seem to have, an, they seem to have a misunderstanding that A, they know what the price should be, B, they know what the price is going to be, and C, they think they know what price they should pay. If we think of price as a voting machine, think of markets as a voting machine, the market has already voted on what the price is going to be, and that's the price you, you trade at. And so whenever you look at a chart, what you're seeing is a compendium or known emotional responses to what is known by the market. And all you actually need to do to that or with that is simply to listen. But the problem is most people have an opinion and their opinion gets in the way of listening. And you say that a lot. All you need to do is to listen to the markets and it will tell you everything you need to know. I do. Markets are actually really generous. And that's the thing that is difficult to get across to people. They think that the market wants to withhold something from them, that the market in some way, shape or form conspires against them directly. 
when in actual fact, it's telling you everything you need to know. You just have to release enough of your ego to take on board what it's actually telling you. The hardest concept to get through to people is to buy new highs. You will never be wealthy buying things that are going down. And unfortunately, the default setting for the majority of people is to buy things that are going down. And I, that's largely a cultural thing, I think. We, we have a reluctance to paying more for an item that we saw as being cheaper a day before, a week before, a month before. So if you if you see a stock that it's $1.50 and two weeks ago it was $1.25, your, your natural reaction is, well, it's too expensive because it's gone up. The natural response of a trader is, well, the market's already told me what's actually happening. There are more buyers than sellers and they're competing on the basis of price and they're pushing price up. Therefore, I want to be involved. We're treasure hunters, but in the wrong way. Very, very much so. People are fossicking around in their grandmother's underwear drawer looking for the the shillings she collected when she was younger, uh, when the sensible people are actually out looking in the right spot. They, they've got the key to the right bank vault. There's a story about Kathmandu beanies. Ah, uh, yes. I was at a conference once and one of the presenters who manages a fair sum of money opined that he was buying Kathmandu and when questioned as to why, he said, well, when I caught the ferry to work, people were wearing beanies and Kathmandu sells beanies. That is the quality of analysis that is generated by people who manage other people's money professionally. Now, I use the word professionally in inverted commas. For someone who feels their trading universe is too big, how many instruments would you recommend they start trading? This depends. I mean, it all comes back to this old thing. I mean, if if you struggle to remember your mobile phone number, which is a given number of digits, then you've got too many instruments if you've got more than that number in your portfolio. We, we seem to have this somewhat, well, look, I'll call it a delusional belief that we should be trading everything on earth. The problem is there's about 35,000 listed stocks across the top 20 exchanges, hundreds of odd instruments, many of which I don't understand. There's FX, there's commodities. We've now got these bullshit cryptocurrencies, which are doing a wonderful job of sending idiots broke. So hopefully idiots won't be able to afford to breed and have more idiots. And we, we think that we, we've got to trade everything. And that's not actually true. What you need is simply a universe that is representative of most things. And you can do that quite well in under a dozen instruments. Why do amateurs open the markets and why do professionals close them? It's because amateurs can't control themselves. So that the moment they see the door open, they've all got to rush in. Think of the opening of the market. Think of these sales where these idiots with nothing better to do queue up from three in the morning to be the first person through the front door of David Jones. And the doors open and they all fly in and they buy shit from China that David Jones has bought for a dollar and is selling them to them for a hundred and they think they're doing really, really well. Professionals take, there's two reasons for this. Professionals take a more measured and controlled response. It's also the fact that when you're looking at things like margin and all the rest, they're marked to market at the end of the day. So it's actually, it's actually more advantageous for professionals to be involved at that time of the day rather than just effectively being like a fire in a chook shed, which is how amateurs approach the market. Archetypal trades. What are some of the key features of your archetypal trades? <clears throat> Mine are all really, really simple. Uh, break out to new high within an existing uptrend. 
So it's blindingly simple, and I think it's the fact that it's blindingly simple that disturbs people. They expect it to be something of immense complexity and uh, extraordinary depth and detail, and it's not. It's really, really, really simple. So resetting and refreshing, talking to you makes the markets look easy, CT. Then I go and trade and I start getting noisy. Then I talk to you and it looks <coughs> simple for a little while. Talking to other traders is essential to keep resetting your perspective. It is because I think it's the only time that you get to speak to someone who's got the same mindset. The, pro- the problem with most people is they're not, they're not born to be traders, nor are they created to be traders. They're created to be... What's the right word? I don't want to say the word ordinary, but they they want to lead a life that is not the same as the one we do, and they're comfortable with that. So anything that is different to that, anything that disturbs that sort of emotional equilibrium they have, is met with prickliness, that they don't get it, and as a result, their natural response is pushback and negativity. When you speak to other traders and you go, you'll never guess what I did. And they'll go, I did the same stupid thing last week. And and you you have an accord, you have a shared experience. People who don't trade don't have that shared experience. Compounding is the eighth wonder of the world, says Albert Einstein. Compounding will make you wealthy. Certainly will. And that's the thing people forget. I, I put a simple exercise often to people that I try to get them to explain to me the difference between making 20% per annum and making 22%. And people naturally go, it's 2% difference. And my response is then, okay, that's good. Now graph that over 20 years and see what happens. And they go, oh, all you need are tiny little edges built into your system and then enable that system to compound, which means that you have to be disciplined in that you don't dick about with it. The first time you make a serious amount of money, you don't go, oh, I need to reward myself. I think I'll go out and spend $15,000 on a television. Because the, the moment you chunk bits out of an account, you're, you're setting it back off in years. Part of a trader's resume is you must be prepared to be wrong. All the time. It, trading is one of those wonderful, wonderful professions where you're actually paid on being incorrect. It's a little bit like golf. Think of it like this way. Golf is a game where the person who makes the fewest mistakes wins. And not only that, it's the fewest catastrophic mistakes. Trading is the same. The trader who makes the fewest catastrophic errors wins. Now, why does an, why does an error become catastrophic? Well, it becomes catastrophic because people can't admit that they're wrong. So you get these ridiculous situations where you get something like Babcock and Brown, which disappeared after the GFC, where people had an infinite number of opportunities almost to get out, but didn't, because they couldn't admit they were wrong. And I can guarantee you to this day there are people who have Babcock and Brown in their bottom drawer thinking to themselves, it's going to come back. You know, it's, it's, it's gone completely. It's never coming back. And the people who manage those events are the ones who go on to be successful. Everyone is a beginner in everything. And that's an unfortunate thing. I think one of the problems that people face is that they want to be instant experts, but we are all beginners in everything we do. Granted, some people some people have a natural aptitude for some, some things and pick them up, but people are still beginners at everything they do. And you need to accept that you are a beginner 
and you need to behave accordingly. One of the great mistakes that, for example, beginner traders make is that they fail to lock down the basics of what they're doing before they start to lose focus and start to think about, well, I've, I've got to trade this instrument and I've got to trade this overnight and I need this enormously complex strategy. And look, I think if I traded five-minute charts, that might work for me. And what they've done is they've lost focus on simply getting the basics right. Successful beginners get basics right. They understand how trend works. They understand the importance of new highs. They understand money management. They understand getting their heads screwed on correctly. Unsuccessful traders can't sit with that discomfort of being a beginner. And being a beginner is uncomfortable because things are unfamiliar. You make mistakes. You look like a right dick at times. But we all do. And given that nobody's watching you, it doesn't really matter. Purpose trumps passion. All the time. Passion is very much, I've had too much red cordial. I'm going to run round and round and round and round and round in circles. I'm going to binge watch this latest TV show I have a passion for, and then I'll fall over. The, the notion of being successful in life is to have a directed given purpose. And that directed given purpose sustains you long after the passion has gone. Everybody can list probably two dozen things from hula hoops, yoga, skateboards to Farrah Fawcett majors who were their major passions in their life. Now ask them where they are now. Those passions are all gone. They've, I mean, they're like fruit. They've just dried up, shriveled and disappeared. And that's what happens to passion. Granted, there are some lucky people who fuse both but they're incredibly rare. And even they will tell you at times that it is actually their purpose sustaining them through the very, very difficult times, not their passion. What are some of your purposes, CT? I like problems. I actually like solving problems. The market presents me with problems. It presents me with... One of the, one of the things I like is data. And so it presents me with data that I can arrange and put together and I can see relationships between it gives me little problems to solve. It, it hasn't been a passion of mine for decades. It enables me to indulge some of my passions simply because of the lifestyle it engenders, but it is not my passion. The purpose for me is actually to solve the problems, both internal and external, and to trade well. Top performing instruments of 2018 so far for you. Oh, God, so far. So far, it's been a bit of a bust for me. The top performing for me has been orange juice, sugar, and the soy complex. That they've been it so far. That normally, I derive a lot of my profitability from index trades, but the indices of late, or oh, sorry, up until this point, have been really, really quite poor in terms of what I would consider to be a useful performance. Final piece of advice for people wanting to trade full time. Take a deep breath and think about it for a few years. It, I simply say that because it's not as easy as people think. One of the mistakes we see, and I've seen an inordinately large number of these mistakes made, is that people suddenly decide on a Friday, on a whim, that they're going to be a full-time trader on Monday. And they generally do this because some peanut has told them that they can trade FX, cryptocurrency, or the latest bullshit instrument, on an intraday basis, with $10,000, it make $100,000 a year. And they probably paid $6,000 for that weekend course to be told that. And so they'll quit their job, start trading, and by Wednesday they're broke and they're down at Centrelink. 
it, it, it is a graduated transition. It is something that takes time and planning. You can't simply, you need to think of it as building a house. When, when you build a house, this is a graduated process, everything from finding a block, engaging an architect, finding a builder, getting approval, going through all the nitty gritty of what colour you're going to paint the interior, what the taps are going to look like, all that stuff that drives people mad who build homes. But it's a transitional approach. It's not, I rock up and I'm going to start building. Do you have plans? No. Do I need them? People often think that starting full-time trading is like that. You just rock up to a block of land, start digging random holes and pouring concrete. It, it is this set and measured approach. And it needs to be set and measured. You need to look at your, let's call it a trading CV. And you need to look, it is if you're applying for the job of being a full-time trader, and you need to see what holes there might be in your CV that would prevent you from being a full-time trader. CT, thank you for your time. Thanks, Caroline. You've been listening to TalkingTrading.com.au with Caroline Stephen. Make sure you are subscribed to this website to receive the very latest market views, commentary and expert opinion. Tune in next week as we've got a bumper show planned. Bye for now. The views represented on Talking Trading are general in nature and do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any of the information, consider its appropriateness in regard to your own situation.